Welcome back. I'm Ron Alesco. And if you've been listening to this program for a while, you know, you've heard me play this artist a number of times over the years. In fact, he's been a guest on the program in the past. And uh, through the magic of technology, we're able to have him with us again today from his uh, home outside of Buffalo, New York. He has a brand new EP out. It's called Some Days. And I'd like to welcome back to the show, Davey O. Davey, it's, it's good to see you again. How have you been doing? I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, consider it's been a it's been a uh, interesting year. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw my back in January. I suffered a fall and uh, ended up uh, contracting Bell's palsy as a result of it. So, oh my goodness! Well, you you sound and look great now. It, it still have some after effects, or is uh, it a little bit? I I have some uh, some residual things. That there's still some. Uh, I get some nervous twitches in my face and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't missed a single gig because of it, though. Oh, that's great. And you're sounding good. This new EP, Some Days, it is really a, a wonderful collection of, of, of six new songs. Although, actually, I think one of them you sent me about a year ago, uh, but you've kind of uh, updated yeah. it, I guess, and well, you know, went into the studio a bit more. So the whole, the whole um, process of making this album this is really all I, I did. It, 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 we have to talk th- about things now in terms of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic world. Right. right? So um, back in 2020, when everything shut down, my day job shut down um, and my gig calendar just started evaporating. So I was sitting at home with a lot of material that I had written since a bright horizon line in 2017. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't have the best recording setup for, for uh, at home. And so I was getting unemployment money and stimulus money. So I decided to upgrade my studio. I bought a MacBook and updated a lot of the peripherals that go along with a home studio. And um I started to record a lot of the I, I, trial by fire. I'd never worked with a MacBook before and I never mm-hmm. uh, recorded uh, at home on that, in that kind of setup. I had a little standalone recorder for a while that allowed me to just basically do more than a, nothing more than acoustic demos. So I started the first song I recorded was Texaco sign. Mm-hmm. And um and, you know, you just kind of have to work with what you have available to you at any time. You know, the instruments you have available. I eventually bought a piano and mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, so I, I started recording the material. And at the time, with the pandemic happening, uh, I read an, I had read an article that uh, about, about food banks being stressed by the pandemic, that their services were in, in great need. And as I was uploading the songs to my website as downloadable only, it dawned on me that it would be a much better benefit to uh, have the download funds go to my local food bank mm-hmm. than it would be to to benefit them from them myself. So I ended up uh, eventually having 18 songs uh, that I recorded over a course of time. Uh, and I ended up calling it the Share Project. And all the money from the downloads went to Feed More Western New York, which is my local food bank. And it's a charity that's near and dear to me and something that I've done benefit concerts for over the last seven years as well. Um, 
That's wonderful. So um, all the songs that ended up being on some days were songs that were already recorded for the share project. I just ended up uh, wanting another set of ears on them. So I got in contact with Neil Eckstein who produced my uh, co-produced my last two records. And I sent him all the, all the tracks and um, we had mixing sessions similar to what we're doing now. And he would, we would look at each other on the screen and he would play me mixes. And I would, I could, I could actually listen to him through my studio monitors Hmm. and I'd say, no, that's not working. This is working. No, let's try this. What happened to that part? And he'd be like, what part? And I go, (laughs) the drum, the drum part that's on there. And he's like, oh, I thought you muted something, you know, so we have this uh, dialogue back and forth. And it was, it was uh, as close as we could get to being in the same room together and mixing together and, and uh, he ended up mastering the CD as well. And I, ended, I, I picked six songs that I wanted to put on the record that I thought um, reflected the concept of, of some days, uh, mm-hmm. the, the title of the album. So it, it's some, some really choice songs on here. And uh, I, I want to play one for our audience now, uh, uh, Texaco Sign, because I think that is a song that, I think really serves as a good example of the kind of music that you put together. I mean, you you write songs about the everyday working people. Uh, you know, I've I've heard people compare you to Bruce Springsteen, and I, I think that's a fitting fitting uh, c- comparison because your songs are are down to earth. They're, they're honest, and I think it reflects. So, before I play this, maybe you'd like to do an introduction. How how did sure. this one come to be written? Um. So going back to your Bruce Springsteen, uh, I I played this song recently at a uh, a local brewery, and um, a couple that comes out to see me play uh, with some regularity. When I got them playing, the the, the wife told me that uh, who happens to be the booking person for a local folk series, told me that's a, a favorite song of mine of her uh, of hers of mine, uh, mm-hmm. and. Well, um, her husband had asked her while I was playing it if it was a Bruce Springsteen song that I was playing. <laughs> and so she said, no, no, that's his song. And he was kind of dumbstruck, I guess, or dumbfounded that uh, that I, I I had written that song. And I, 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 I guess when you, you know, you get it right, you get it right, right? <laughs> um, it, it, songwriting is a, a complete mystery to me. Um, I don't know where it comes from, but... Um, I think a lot of it has to come from observation um, and life experience. And in the case of this song, um, two things. Um, I've always liked Texaco stations in my <laughs> travels when I pass. I always like the sign, the logo. I'm wearing a Texaco sign hat right now. Right. Um, as you could see on our little video uh, correspondence. Um, the... I, it, there's something very uh, Americana about the the whole thing, especially when you're out on a on a dusty dirt road, and it's kind of the sun setting. It, there's something romantic about that whole notion. Um, but this, I had that in my back pocket in my my file of song ideas. Texaco sign. I just had that. The title was there, and I I just didn't know what to do with it. 
And then um, I started thinking about my, my 14 year old self. And um, so basically this song is about um, reminiscing about being a young, a young boy. I grew up in a little village called Sloan, New York, which borders the city of Buffalo. And uh, it has railroad tracks on the North and South side. And at certain times of the day, you could hear the, the, the boxcar slowly, the wheels squeak, you know, that high pitched kind of lonely. It's a very lonely kind of sound. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it made me fall in love with trains. I, I love trains. And so when I was a 14 year old boy, I used to walk over the bridge that went over the railroad tracks. There's a mall on the other side of the, the tracks. So I would go to the mall and meet my friends there. And we'd go to the video arcade for a little while and play games, the good games like centipede and stuff like that. The cool, <laughs> right. Uh, asteroids, all those, right. those cool Atari games. Right. So, um, and after about an hour of that, we we go. There's a roller rink behind the mall, so we we go to the roller rink. But on our way there, on occasion, we would stop at this liquor store that was next to the supermarket behind the mall, and we would stand out in front of the well, off to the side, so the person working in the liquor store didn't see us. And we'd hang out and wait for somebody who was of age to, uh, and we'd <laughs> ask them if they'd go in and we'd give them some money, and they'd go in and buy us bottles of Boone's Farm wine. Right. And then we'd go, there's a, there was a field in back of the roller rink that had tall grass. So we'd hide back there and we'd drink our wine and then we'd go roller skating, which was interesting. <laughs> that in and of itself was interesting, right? The drunk 14 year olds trying, right. to, trying to roller skate. But, you know, when you've got a little buzz going on, that, that gives you a little courage to ask a cute girl if she wants to couple skate. And so... Sometimes you'd, you know, you'd meet a girl, you'd couple skate, you'd go sit down over off to the side, be making out a little bit, you know, for the stuff 14 year olds do. Sure. And at an and, and, and occasion, you'd, you'd go home with a little slip of piece of paper with a, a girl's name and a phone number on it. And on some Friday night, I might take my bicycle and ride down to the gas station. Now I use poetic license here. We didn't have a Texaco station in my my town but it fit with the, the narrative of the of the idea for the song and um so i'd have a bunch of change in my pocket and i'd be feeding dimes into the pay phone calling one of these girls now a lot of times the, the father would answer the phone and uh he'd want to know why are you calling and asking for my daughter and uh being afraid i'd hang up <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you know because you don't want the wrath of there. The, the the father on you right so uh and then then you know sometimes the girl would get on the phone talk to you for a little while and quite often uh you know when you're that young you you, you, you know and you're trying to feel your way through the world of of having your first romantic encounter sometimes you get your heart broken and the girl would tell you well you know i had fun but I'm already seeing somebody. So, you know, there's the first crack in your little 14 year old heart. And then you learn, you know, about heartbreak a little bit. So uh, it's, it's, it's a song about reminiscing. It's a song about that iconic symbol um, of just being a total goofball, 14 year old and getting into the hijinks that you get into. And, um, 
and about really about reminiscing about youth, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's good to reminisce, but it's, you don't want to live there either. Right. You don't want, you want right. that take, you don't want that stuff taking up, uh, you know, rent free space in your brain. It's good to go back and visit once in a while. So that's kind of what the song is about. It's, it's a song about reminiscing about youth and, um, and, uh, you know, it wrapped up in the imagery of all those memories. Friday night underneath the Texaco sign Had your number in my hand and a pocket full of dimes I could feel my heart racing as my finger touched the dial On that Friday night underneath the Texaco sign Friday night underneath the Texaco sign I thought I found true love in that telephone line Was it me who was talking or the boons from wine? On that Friday night underneath the Texaco sign I used to meet you Just before dark In the shadow of the hill Of Griffith Street Park Or at the roller rink Behind the mall Out in the tall, tall Oh, 
those Friday nights underneath the Texaco sign. All those Friday nights underneath the Texaco sign. Texaco sign. Texaco sign. And that was Texaco Sign, a cut from the new album, Some Days, from Davey O, who's with us today. And Davey, you, you gave us such an eloquent introduction. And I'll tell you, you, you grew up near Buffalo, New York. I grew up in New Jersey. But I think we shared the same experiences there, right down to the railroad tracks and the well, the, the, the tech. We had a Texaco station in our town. Right, so. right. Oh, okay. So huh? the, the, I think the thing is, is that, and I think the, I think one of the, especially as I'm getting, you know, as I've made my journey uh, as a songwriter, um, I, I mean, I could write a. I could sit down right now and write a three chord song that's, you know, and make up some lyrics that make some sense, but okay. It's a song. It sounds like a song. I could play it in front of an audience and maybe they like it. Um, I, I think it is a dip, a deeper. Well, sometimes you need to draw from to mm -hmm. draw the water from. And, um, it, and one of those things that comes from that deeper well is that, you being from New Jersey, or if you were from Idaho, or you were from Minnesota, or maybe even Hawaii, or Alaska, that song might resonate with you on exactly. some level, right? I've played that song, and I've had, uh, as I've introduced the song and told the story about the Boone's Farm Wine and, you know, going to the roller rink, I've watched people in the audience in my age bracket laugh because and, and then they come up to me and say, that was me, mm -hmm. you know, doing all the same stuff. So, you know, um, it, 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 I think it, one of the, one of the goals of being, I, I hate, I, I don't, I, I don't want to consider myself an artist as some, I, it sounds kind of pretentious. So um, I, but for lack of a better term, I guess one of the goals as an artist, as a songwriting artist, is to find those universal truths. Yes. I, I First of all, I will consider you an artist because the, the eloquence that you use in your music and the way you're able to, to relate to people, uh, I think it makes it something very special. And uh, I mean, it's been special since I first met you. I mean, some of your early albums, uh, you know, uh, testing for rust no passengers a bright horizon line all of these albums did so well on the folk dj charts and, and with folk djs like myself all across north america and i think it's because of, of, of the way that you're able to relate and you also relate you know uh, let me let me backtrack this a bit you know there are a lot of songwriters as a, as a dj who's been doing this for almost 50 years now um I get a lot of recordings and especially in recent years, because like you were describing earlier about your home studio, uh, you know, there are some artists that even don't have as good of a studio as you do that are recording. And and a lot of times people are recording men, they aren't ready to do it yet, but you can kind of road tested. You've been doing this for, for quite a while. Um, 
And now, you know, to get your voice heard amongst all these other artists out there, that is a challenge. And, it is. And, yeah. you know, and you, you know, you're primarily based out of Bu uh, Buffalo, New York. And, you know, I assume you tour within a certain radius of, of Buffalo, but I guess it makes it harder for you to get your, your, your songs out there. It, it is. Well, un, un, unless you have the uh, resources to hire a radio promotion person, and it's a totally different, you know, when we were growing up, um, the goal was to get signed to a, an actual record label, right? Mm, right. So, um, and if you got signed to a record label, they allowed you, um, they allowed you to develop. Um, you were allowed to, you know, they'd sign you for four or five albums and it'd allow you to go out and find your audience. They, they'd send you out on tour as an opening act for a couple of the first, you know, until you were able to get into bigger venues. And, um, and if, after those four albums, if it didn't work out, you got dropped. Um, and you owed the record company a lot of money, <laughs> you know, cause they wanted that money back that all the, the investment. Right. And then once um, streaming and uh, home studios became a thing, anybody who could operate the software and had some level of musicality uh, could record it, even to the point where you didn't even have to, play the song from start to finish uh as a performance if you could make it through the verse and the chorus you could cut and paste that and edit it and then just sing over the top of it and edit your vocals when you made a mistake right right as opposed to recording on two inch tape back in the day where you had to be I'm not saying that people that record on their computer I recorded this this album on my computer in my last two on Neil's uh, stuff. Um, but when you're recording to tape and you're recording as a band, or even if not as a band, I guess, you still have to be able to perform. So you're, the musicianship, I, I'm glad I grew up when I grew up because musicianship, being able to actually play was, you had to know how to play. There's no sure. two ways around it. You had to be able to, um, get from point A to point B without, there's no, there's no, uh, don't worry about it. We'll take, we'll take the, uh, you know, we'll, you know, splicing. Do you ever watch somebody splice tape on a row? Oh, yes. It's, <laughs> I've I mean, done it's, myself. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not like taking a file on a computer and just finding the points and, you know, right. Uh, it, it's because it, on a computer, they call it non destructive editing. Well, with a piece of tape, if you miss the mark, there's no going back and fixing that, you know? Yeah. So um, unless you want to re-record the, the whole song. So there's something to that um, process of, of being a musician that uh, I think was very beneficial to what I do now. It, it's, it certainly has helped. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know the work that you go through and also the expense, you know, talking about those old days with uh, the two inch tape, I mean, you were paying for studio time, hundreds of dollars an hour. So uh, obviously the equipment that you need to, to invest to, to make a, right. a quality recording is expensive too, but it's, uh, 
it's something like 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 Neil has done. Neil Eckstein uh, right. his studio is something that so many people use, and I'm so glad you used him as well because uh, I can I can feel his touch on on this new EP called Some Days. Yeah. So I uh, you know so getting back to the you know to the expensive so the last album I did before this uh, a Bright Horizon line I did a Kickstarter for it, and I I you know. I see people that are a couple rungs up the ladder from me and I see them do Kickstarters and, and I'm amazed that they're able to raise like 25 or $30,000 to do mm -hmm. an album. I was happy to raise the money. I raised $6,500 and it, you know, it covered everything and, and you know, $6,500 to do an album. I did this album for less than $2,000. Mm -hmm. Some days was done for less because I recorded it at home. Right. Um, it, and, you know, between uh, paying Neil to master it and mix it and pay a graphic artist to do the uh, artwork and then to have it replicated, it was a, a little under $2,000. That's incredible. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> it, it is. And, and, and to be able to get it out and, um, and, and be able to sell it to people and put it on a web, my website and to, um, be able to have people like yourself um, be willing to um, include it on your programming is kind of um, it's uh, kind of weird, uh, mm -hmm. a weird, you know, because you, again, you think of, um, you know, going back to the thing when, when record labels back when we were growing up, there were, you know, there were less people getting signed to record labels that, and now record labels, I don't even know what a record label does to be honest with you yeah. now. I mean, who do they distribute? What are they, what are they distributing and to where, I mean, there's no record stores anymore. That's uh, true. Um, except for maybe one or two and, you know, a little mom and pop record store that you can go and buy vinyl and use CDs. And um, that, you know, that kind of leads me to the next question I was going to ask you because uh, you know, even a six song EP, even two grand is uh Quite an investment, considering you know CD sales have been in the tank in the toilet for, for the last couple of yeah. years, and it's not looking better. But I, I know a lot of people do it basically to support the artists. You know, they'll buy the CD and then maybe burn some files and play it on whatever listening device they have. So, right, you know, what, what you did with the share project you were talking about earlier, where you re release eighteen songs digitally, um, do you think that's going to be the way of the future? I, I don't, I, I think it is, but people don't want to still don't want to pay for it. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think there's this, uh, I, it, it, people have been downloading and streaming music for so long and um, companies like Spotify and, and Pandora have really um, become ingrained as such a, um, aspect of consuming music in american in worldwide culture now that um people do not their mindset is is if it's not free and it, it's it leaks down to live shows too i know yeah. people who will pay 350 dollars to see an artist like peter gabriel who's on tour right now and um, if I tell them that I'm playing at a local venue and it's $10 to get in, they'll ask me if I can be put on the guest list. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, it's, it's so hard. I know Bob, my other hat is, is, is operating a venue and we've been struggling getting audiences and I don't know what the future is going to be. But the one thing I can say is as long as we have some good music, somehow somebody's going to figure out how to pay for artists like yourself so we can continue yeah. to get great music. Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, get that's where, you know, I, 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 if I, 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 uh, you know, that's where the bar gigs come in. I guess they, they keep the, they keep the wheels on a bus turn. Right. Sure. Uh, those are the things that keep you going. Um, and then when I do get to play the listening room concerts or the house concerts, or I get to open for somebody, um, I hang on to those. Mm-hmm. I hang on to those moments and those sustain you through, you know, the bar gigs where you have somebody coming up with their cell phone in your face. Ask, <laughs> it's sometimes in the middle of a song and asking you if you know how to play wagon wheel. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the bar gigs and then other work sure. you do, but, I, but I'd like to play a, another song from uh, the new EP. Some days uh, you have a little song on here called for a, a little while. Yeah. Tell, tell us about this one. So um, this song, um, it, it, it might not seem like it when you when you listen to it, but um, back I think it was around 20, 2016, maybe. Actually, my memory doesn't serve me correctly all the time. But uh, I I had a little tour out in the Midwest, and I was playing in Michigan. I did a house concert for a couple in Jackson, Michigan, and them. And the following day, they. Uh, I followed them to a local diner. They treated me to breakfast. And as I was leaving, they suggested that on my way to the other Western side of Michigan, where I had another show scheduled, they suggested that I stop at a a place called Elderly Instruments Mm -hmm. in Lansing, which is a a wonderful music store. I'd never been there, but I had known of it. And I had time to kill. So I said, sure, that'd be great. And I love instruments. And um, I, so I went there and spent a couple hours in there uh, with my wallet firmly entrenched in my pocket because I I didn't want to bring home an an instrument. Although I got to see some beautiful vintage instruments in there as well. And those things make my heart go all a flutter. Um, So I left there and as I was leaving light snowfall, uh, flurries were falling and uh, I was like, okay, it's going to snow a little bit. And this was like in mid November. And as I made my way West and then North towards a city called Boyne city, Michigan, uh, and to a venue called cafe Sante, uh, the weather progressively worsened to the point where, uh, there was cars off the road. Uh, I couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of me. And I got about uh, 90 minutes from the venue and I pulled over to the side of the road and I called them and I said, look, I said, I'm from Buffalo and I know how to drive in snow and I own a Subaru and it handles well in the snow, but that's not going to help not being able to see where I'm going. And if it's this bad now, I can't imagine what it's like there. So I'm going to have to bail on the gig. So I, uh, they were totally understanding and I, I turned myself around and, and headed back home cutting through Canada and uh, getting home at around midnight. And when I got home, I made a vow that I, I can't go more than an hour from Buffalo between mm. the middle of November and the middle of March. I just can't, I, it's too risky. Um, I'm not, I, there's this musician thought that, you know, uh, uh, call, I, I don't, you might've heard it. You chase the sun right? in the winter months, you go and tour out in the South and out West. And, mm-hmm. in, and then back in summer, you come back out East and tour in the east 
So, um, and, and my ambitions aren't, aren't that um, great to go out to, um, you know, to drive all the way out to California and, and, and that. So that's not happening. So I made the vow. And then a couple of years later in 2017, winter of 2017, I received an email from a, a venue outside of Binghamton, New York called Six on the Square, which is a wonderful listening room in a town called Oxford, New York. And they asked me if I would be interested in doing a co-bill with a songwriter from uh, um, down in West Westchester County, New York. Uh, his name is Kyle Hancharik. Oh, yes. And I said, sure, I'd love to do a, a show with him. That'd be great. You know, I've been trying to get into Six on the Square for almost six years after meeting Carol and Nancy at NERFA. And, uh, you know, the offer came through. So I'm like, great. When's the gig? February 6th. <laughs> expletive inserted right. <laughs> uh yeah i guess i'll take the gig so off i went uh three and a half hours to oxford new york and i got off the highway and started heading towards oxford on these country roads that were gravel through farms and in field and as i came over the crest of a hill the snow had been packed down and iced over and I started skidding. You know, I put my brakes on and I was skidding down this hill mm. towards, towards other cars that were in my lane coming up the lane because That's a semi true. was in the lane coming up with its four ways on. Oh boy. So I thought I was going to skid into these cars. I'm like, great. How romantic I'm going to die on the road. Like buddy oh. Holly, <laughs> but the other cars saw me and they, they got out of the way and I came to a stop next to the semi and I hit my heart was in my throat, went and played the gig. I played in Rochester on, on the following night on the way home. And when I got home, I renewed my vows with winter. <laughs> and so now if it's not within an hour, hour and a half of Buffalo uh, between mid-November and mid-March, I don't accept the offer. So um, I had all the, you know, the driving through the unpaved roads and open fields that all stuck in my head. And, uh, at one point in my life, I, uh, when I was uh, a younger musician and a bass player, and I was trying to get into, you know, be a side man or get into a band, uh, the thought, uh, I can seriously considered moving to California at one time. So that's where the California looked so good for a while line came from. And, um, so the song is kind of an, kind of a, a collection of, imagery and travel imagery the there's a line in there across the canyon on 18 wheels that refers to the semi that was at the bottom of the hill um and so uh at the end of the day all i need is you know uh someone i can count on for a little while you know after all that travel uh so that's kind of where the song came from is all that um travel imagery
For a little while, Davey O from his brand new EP, Some Days. And someday today, Davey is with us as we chat about his, his music and play a couple of songs from the, from the EP. And, you know, Davey, you were talking before and you, you, you mentioned about doing bar gigs. And I, I, I've always admired you because you, well, let me, let me backtrack a little bit more here. I mean, I, I see so many artists that, write good songs, but they almost treat it like a hobby. You know, if they get a gig, they get a gig, but, and, and, and you have a day job and it's also involved in music, but you work so hard at getting bookings and recording. I, you know, I, I've, I've read some of your posts on social media and I see the work involved and, you know, you are dedicated to, to getting your music out there. But as you said before, you, you take a lot of bar gigs where somebody's going to come up in your face and ask for a, a wagon wheel or, you know, free bird or whatever. Right. And, and that's got to be frustrating. But I, I can also imagine in a way doing other people's songs sometimes helps you as a songwriter. Is that possible? A- absolutely. And that's one of the things that I was hoping you would bring that up. Um I have this real, um, so yeah, yes, it, it's frustrating when somebody comes up. I don't mind somebody requesting a song and I'm gracious. If I, I try to be as gracious as possible, if I don't know the song, uh, unfortunately, um, 
and some of it might be alcohol induced. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes people think that because you're standing there with an instrument in your hands, you know, the entire American songbook. <laughs> um, and unfortunately that's not true. So, uh, and on occasions, sometimes somebody will hit on something and say, do you know this song by Neil Young? And I'm like, I don't know that song, but I know some Neil Young songs and they're fine. They're like, okay, play what you know. Um, there are some aspects to it. You know, sometimes people will request a song and they won't tip you. They'll request a song and you'll, and the, you'll know the song they requested. And then they go back and talk with their friends and totally not even pay attention to the song. Why did you request a song if you're not going to listen to it? Right. You live with it. You learn to live with it. Um, but yes. So, um, I have a real um, kind of struggle when I see people that do songwriting workshops. I know that songwriting workshops have a benefit to them if they're in, uh, if they're done with the intention of putting your mind in a better place when you get to pro- get to the point where you're ready to write. I don't have a, I don't have set schedules for writing. I don't sit down and say, I'm going to write a song today. Um, a lot of it is, uh, I, I think there's some gestation period to it. Things sure. happen. I, I think one of the biggest, um, uh, I guess the best, best attributes to have as, as a songwriter or as a writer in general, whether you're a poet or you're writing books, um, you have to have some level of observation in your life and your eye has to be different than people who don't write. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to see, be able to see things and possibly glean metaphors from them occasionally or, um, and find the universal aspect to them and how they, um, how everybody at some point will probably go through this thing you're witnessing. That said, uh, I, I often think about in, 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 in terms of things like shows like American Idol and The Voice and and shows like that, um, the people that I and you grew up listening to, um, from Elvis Presley to the Rolling Stones to Yes and Genesis and all the those kinds of bands, I don't think would have ever gone on a show like that, nor did they learn to write songs from going to a songwriting workshop. Mm-hmm. They did it by doing it. I learned how to write songs by learning other people's songs. After a while, you start to see the chord changes that work. And then hopefully over time, you learn how to make them sound like you instead of the person that you're imitating. And that I think comes in your, your particular sound of your vocal and the way you sing and the way you deliver the vocal and it's in the lyrics that you write, which um, have to, at some point, um, put a stamp of your experience on the universal experience. That, that is so important. You know, I, I've, you were talking about songwriting workshops and one of the knocks that I have is that when you have a close group that meets regularly and does songwriting, they all start sounding the same. 
because you have usually one or two individuals that are kind of more dominant and saying, no, you shouldn't write it like that. You should be writing it like this. And then people just automatically follow their instruction because they think they're somebody who's a little more knowledgeable. But right. it's important for the artists to get their own perspective. And I think right. that's what you do so well. Uh, and, you know, you, you can learn things, certainly, uh, from others. So you can learn good tricks of the trade. But it's important to have that individual voice. That's what makes people stand out. Well, and that's what I, makes it, your music stand out. So it, it, I don't, you know, I see, I see people, uh, other artists that are much bigger than I am um, in, in the folk world. And they do, they do songwriting classes and, and stuff. And, uh, and I guess at the end of the day, it's a, uh, a good way to generate income for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, I don't know if I, and it, 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 if it's done from the perspective of like, play me, play me a song you're working on and maybe I can give you some suggestions to how to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do that. Um, I've, um, it's taken me a while to do this, but um, my better half um, is been very, uh, as of the last couple of years, she's been very, um, good at making suggestions like you know that word sounds a little you, you could use a better word than that sure to describe that um at the end of the day i have to do the work right right so and it has to be my work and i have to stand by it um but uh and, and i can be my own worst sometimes i look at lyrics when i'm writing them and and i and i'm like yeah that's just because then we, a lot of it comes down to when you're singing it it's like yeah when you read it <laughs> the idea the idea is really great but then when you try to sing it it doesn't the, the syllables don't fit into the melodic rhythm or the rhythm rhythmic value or the melodic value uh of what you're writing so then you end up having to to edit and shorten a line or or find a word that says the same thing that you're trying to convey but allows you to sing it with more fluidity so I, I, but again, I, so I learned how to write songs of, by, of all artists. You would try, I, I, people, it's surprising that the, when you talk to certain people that are considered folk musicians, the types of music they listen to, I think uh, some of the folk musicians I've met in my life are some of the most open-minded when it comes to, I mean, my background's all in hard rock stuff as a bass mm-hmm. player. And I know Pat Wichter likes a lot of heavy music. I've talked to him about this before. And, um, but I also, you know, I, I, um, I love Brian Adams, not Ryan Adams. I like Ryan Adams too, but Brian Adams, the Canadian, right. you know, um, he is, he is, uh, just a fantastic songwriter and, uh, especially that kind of pop rock stuff. And, um, when reckless came out, I mean, think of, I think every song on that album was almost every one of them was a hit. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned how to re- I learned how to play a lot of those songs, and I started to recognize the chord changes that lend themselves towards writing good vocal melodies. And and then I learned from other bands too. Um, but again, I, I I think you know the bands that I grew up listening to, um, they you have to you have to write and you have to do what you do including going out on tour and making mistakes. I made mistakes in my early days of touring 
of taking gigs that I probably should have never have taken that didn't pay anything. And I lost my rear end on it. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. You, you make mistakes and you go back. I listen to some of my old albums and, and I've seen interviews with artists that I admire that, that, that have admitted, you know, you know, we wish we could have done that differently or this song differently, but at the end of the day, you have to use what's available to you at the time to yep. make the best record you can make. And in my case, it's my little, this room that I'm sitting in talking to you from, uh, which used to, where I'm sitting right now, there used to be a guest bed right here. And uh, when I first put my studio together, I was wedged at a little desk between the dresser and the bed. And I was recording some of the, I'd recorded Texaco sign in this little three foot area. Hmm. But then eventually I talked Sheila into uh, letting me remove the bed and I got a bigger desk and now I've got more room and I've got a digital piano and, and, you know, you use the tools that are available to you. Um, uh, I have a song uh, it, we, we're going to talk about some days, I think at some point. And mm -hmm. when I recorded it, I'm like, God, I wish, Oh man, a, a pedal steel guitar would sound great on this, but I don't have a pedal steel. What can I do? Well, I tune tuned my my one of my electric guitars to a pedal steel tuning and used a volume pedal and put a lot of reverb on it and did the best I could to emulate huh. a pedal steel. I it doesn't, you know, because I'm not using a slide bar, so it doesn't sound exactly like a pedal steel, but it gives the atmosphere sure. that I, I was going after. But I'm I'm getting way off track here. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Well, uh, you, 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 you're just describing your, your, your life as an artist. Uh, and I think it's fascinating. And I, I, I could spend hours talking to you about all the music and work that you've been doing. But uh, unfortunately, we, we're going to have to, to bring our little visit to a close. And I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Sure. Uh, now, I, obviously, I guess you're still working on songs. You, you mentioned you had 18 songs that you did for the Share Project, and six of them made it onto the uh, the, the recording. Right. Uh, you have more plans to release more in the future? Oh, so, so there are songs that are on the Share Project that are a little more uh, traditional Um traditional folk mm -hmm. uh, in their flavor um, elements of traditional country music and um, a little bit of hints of bluegrass. Um, Cause I played mandolin on a couple of songs. Um, and not that I would say I'm a mandolin player. I just, I, I have one. And if I need to make a part, I can do it. I would never attempt to sit in with somebody because it, <laughs> it would be in a, a moment of embarrassment, but I've also written a couple of songs uh, lately um, that I want to, I, I want to record one of them. I actually threw up, I did a quick demo of, and I threw it up on SoundCloud recently. It's called the welcome, uh, the welcome note. It's about, it's about being, I have a, I've been touring long enough that I have a network of friends who, uh, occasionally you know if i'm coming to town they're like hey do you need somewhere to stay and a couple of them have actually left the key under the mat when they've been out of town and let me stay at their house and and they leave this note that you know and then and the lyrics are pretty much like a welcome note you know hmm. hey there's beer in the fridge help yourself uh it's kind of and it's you know and the chorus of the song uh is my home is your home isn't that what i said you know 
it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know uh a welcoming song um but i need to get back to back on track here again um but uh yeah so um yeah i can i'm gonna i continue to write i, I would i i don't want to i don't want to have another space of six years between records a lot of the space uh between records had to do with what you mentioned earlier the death knell of the cd um it's uh it is kind of weird that um uh, you know, it, we don't have our listening habits and our consumption habits and our listening habits. I, I think uh, people from our generation like the idea of holding something tangible, looking at liner notes, listening to something that was, you know, put together in a certain sequence and the songs go in a certain order and you listen to the album individual songs and then as a whole and see how they connect together. Um, singles have become a thing and that is in due part to st- things like Spotify and streaming people just want to hear a song and they want to make a playlist of a bunch of songs and uh, that suits their mood for the day. Uh, You've just described what radio DJs like myself do here. Cause obviously we well, can't play a full well, album. But... Well, I, no, I, I and, and I understand it. Well, yeah. And radio, um, especially terrestrial radio and radio has changed so much. Oh, too, absolutely. Where, when, when I, you know, uh, I remember being, you know, being a young boy and we had a radio on, uh, on top of our refrigerator in the kitchen. And if you turned on the radio station, uh, you could hear Barbara Streisand one minute and, you know, James Taylor, the next, and you could hear, you know, uh, Steeler's wheel or, you know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, James Brown, you know, it was all over it, the, there was no format really. It was right. just kind of free form. Um, and, and and particularly in in what was called AR AOR radio AOR album oriented rock yeah and, and <laughs> FM on FM radio right so it was a there's a lot more freedom yeah. where and you have that same freedom that those kinds of DJs have whereas now if you're on a commercial radio station somebody's telling you what you have to play and that, mm-hmm. that's kind of it kind of drills it drills the same songs over and over into the consciousness of uh, of um of the listener yeah uh, which is unfortunate because they end up not really discovering anything new on their own that's true i don't get me started we could talk hours about that but <laughs> what's good is we do have new recordings from artists like yourself and uh you know again davey i want to thank you for being with us today and You're i want to welcome i want to let our listeners know that uh the new ep is called some days and we're about to hear a a, a cut that uh Davey will sort of described already, but we'll talk about that in a second. But, but Davey, if our, our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing it? Uh, through my website, davio.com, just like it's spelled D-A-V-E-Y-O.com. That's a, there's a form on there that you can fill out and, and you can peruse and check out videos and music and all kinds of other stuff on there. Yeah. You don't like CDs. You can download every one of my albums on there. Yeah, so you can download single songs if you don't want to buy the whole album. You can download single songs; it's fine too. There's a lot of good samples on there as well. Well, David, let's let's end our little visit with uh, the song that I believe ends the EP. It's the the title cut. Some days, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, last year, our our beloved dog Addison passed away at the age of seventeen. But a couple of years prior to that, and it's the picture is on the actual CD itself and in the uh in the in the inside insert. 
I took a photograph. We took a walk uh, one afternoon in the woods around our house. Um, and it was in the winter and it was probably about four o'clock in the afternoon. And as you know, you know, you get that sunset at about five o'clock and at about four o'clock in the afternoon, it starts to get kind of dusky. And so we were walking through the woods and I was taken by uh, how the, the trees were lying, the shadow of the trees were lying on top of the snow. And I took a photograph of Addison as she was walking in front of me. And I, I, on my walks, I tend to to think a lot about a lot of things. And sometimes I get ideas for songs. And uh, I started to think about the dichotomy of life. Uh, there are days when I wake up and I feel like I can do anything and conquer the world. And I'm going to get a lot of things done today. I'm going to send out a lot of booking emails. And there's days when I get up where I don't even, I, I, I consider uh i've considered not wanting to play at times i'm mm -hmm. like i don't feel like doing this anymore i don't feel like getting in my car and driving i don't even feel like getting out you know you have days where you just want to close the blinds and and stay in bed all day you know and life is like that life is uh, a series of ups and downs and and um i think you learn more from the down times than you do the successful times uh the times when you fail or fall on your face, you you can learn a lot more from those things. But the dichotomy of life is is certainly a thing that is uh, is uh, a real thing. What isn't there a Frank Sinatra thing? One time you're on top of the world. Isn't there a line in a Sinatra song? One time you're on top of the world, and you know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the song. Um, but uh, oh, that's life. That's the name that's of the life. song. That's that's life. That's, that's what people say. Right. Uh, so uh, my late friend, Jeffrey Mikulski, who used to play mandolin and guitar with me, had this saying, one day you get steak, the next day you get beefaroni. <laughs> if that is not a metaphor for life. Right. Right. So that's what uh, that's what some days is about. And the bridge is uh, truly a warning to myself and to the listener to not uh, get too nostalgic. The lines of the, the bridge, if I go back and listen to their stories, I'll fall off track reliving all those glory days. And quite often you might run into friends from high school and all they want to do is talk about oh, how the good old days and yeah. how the music was so much better back then. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I have friends who I've run into from my old neighborhood and, and that's all they talk about yeah. and how much, how life was better. And, uh, you know, uh, how, how, you know, you know, the neighborhood is now gone to, you know what? And, I, and it's like, I don't want to live there. Right. I, I, you know, I want to, I want, you know, today is what's, you know, um, and, and, but some days, uh, if you, you know, if you, if you get your caught, if you get caught in the, in the nostalgia, uh, in nostalgia circle going around your brain, playing the loop um that's where you're going to live and i you know yeah. i have friends who do that with music too they don't listen to anything past a certain decade and and you tell them about you know you say uh what are you listening to oh, i'm listening to this guy jason isbell right or something and they look at you like who's that right you know and and so you have to tell them and uh and then and it's just like yeah well you know that's not for you know well you're not even giving it you know they, they, I think part of the thing is they fail to forget that the music that they hold so nostalgic was once new to them. 
that was a song they first heard on the radio and then they went down to the record store and bought the album. Yeah. Or sometimes you bought the album because the cover looked cool. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know many people who bought the kiss alive album because of the front photo with them, the photograph of the smoke bomb going, or, you know, flash pot going off and he's got four guys in costumes. Right. It's something I, I hope people will discover new music. And I hope we continue and I hope they discover you. Davey O, thank you so much for being here today. And You're welcome. This I'm is glad a, we got through this technical nonsense. Yeah, I'm I am too. It's it's, it's so much fun talking to you and uh you too, it's, so good much. To, it's good to see your face again. Yeah, it, same it, here. It, yeah, it, it's good to see you because like, I haven't seen you for probably like <laughs> since the last time I went to Nerfa. Oh, it's been too 2017, long. right? Well, don't be a stranger. Let's 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 get together soon. And uh thanks again for being here today. And yeah. uh let's take a listen now to Some Days, a title cut from the new album from Davey O. Some days I grow tired Some days I am weak Some days there's no fire in the words that I will speak Some days I'm the wave Some days I get tossed Some days I can turn the page And some days I am lost Some days I rise above, some days 
days I fall behind But each day I give love And every day I am kind Grows longer now. The trees cast their shadows. Oh, the light grows longer now. The trees cast their shadows.